Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Give us a wave. You're very quiet. I know we're not supposed to. Can we say hello behind the masks? Say hello. Good morning. Great to see you also online. It's good to have you with us. Also, our great friends, Simon and Julia from Birmingham, Pastor Simon and Julia. Give us a wave. It's great to have you with us. And also, next week, we've got our regional superintendent, Paul Hudson, will be here ministering. You don't want to miss that. So please book in as soon as you can. Well, it's great to be with you. And uh, we're going to continue with um, our theme from last week. I finished the message last week, and when I got home, I started to have all these thoughts about what I should have said after, but I realized now that, you, you know, you can't say everything in 40 minutes. So we're going to have a tag preach this morning, and at the end of our um, 15 minutes each, we've given ourselves 15 minutes each. That's not including my little talk now, Ryan, just to let you know online. 15 minutes preach each, and then we're going to pray. And I believe that in that moment of prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to do some stuff um, in our lives as we, before we leave today. So we're going to give room for more. It was great in our worship team just laying hands on ourselves and believing by, believing by faith that God is going to do something in our lives. And uh, we do believe that today. The Holy Spirit is here and he is here wanting to heal and to encourage and to strengthen. So let's continue. Today, So remember our text from last week, Matthew 28. Jesus said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So just to recap from last week, you know, Francis Chan in his book, talks about the old way and mindset of church where the ministers are supposed to do all the work for the Lord and everybody just turns up to watch. Where the new way and the biblical way is that those who are called into the fivefold ministry are there to equip the saints for works of ministry. So that's everyone who is followers of Jesus, who belong to a local church, that set leadership team or pastoral team are there to equip you for works of ministry. In his book by Chris Hodges, talks about the steps of discipleship within our lives. He talks by st- uh, place one is where people come to know God. That's salvation. That's the first step of discipleship. We come to know God. And then we're on a journey, begin to, to, be, um, to be renewed in our attitudes, to be more like Christ. That's sanctification on our journey, to get rid of some of the baggage that we've carried into our journey to follow Jesus. And then the next step is to find our giftings, find our uniqueness within the body and to begin to make a difference, number four, into our world. Dr. Tony Evans, in his message sermon, Making Kingdom Disciples, talks about that the church are his ambassadors in a world that needs God. And he gave the illustration of a referee on a football pitch who would bring order to the game when there is chaos, bringing the rules from the authorities to just administrate onto that field where he can bring the presence of the rules to make the game ordered. And it's like that for us as we go into our world. We bring the rule book, the presence of God, into chaos and we bring God into that situation. Remember that we, he wants us to be copies of the master as we talked about the CD, the message going out to some of our uh, senior people in our church that, that we are not the master but we are definitely copies of him 
to a lost world. He says that a disciple is someone who is consistently operating under the rule of Jesus in their lives. So last week, in a nutshell, is talking about our personal obedience in following Jesus. But we want to finish today with two things where, where God helps us in our discipleship. I realized that last week, it's okay in our personal obedience, but I realized in my walk with God that it's not just about me and God. I realized that in my walk with Jesus, it's other people who has helped me to be a better disciple. And so I want to bring to you today, Jesus said, and I want you to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. In other words, everything that you receive from me, I want you to pass that on to somebody else. And so I realized that the discipleship making has to also be helped by other people who have gone before us in our walk with God. A.W. Tozer says that only disciples can make disciples. The Apostle Paul says this. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so here the Bible tells us that it's not just about me and God, but we grow and we become better disciples by following other godly people. People who have taken steps before us so they can help us to where we need to go to follow Jesus. I, I, I phrased this this morning as I was thinking about this message. Listen to this. Our personal obedience is creating a platform to help others to their next level of discipleship. Our personal obedience is creating a platform for somebody else's next level of obedience. Right through Scripture, it's really clear that God has used other people to help us grow to the next level. So that's why you can't do Christianity on your own. That you need the body of Christ. You need other people that will help you. Even in your failures, that God can turn that around to be a, a discipleship tool to help somebody in their journey. In Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. This is when Peter made the biggest mistake in his life of denying Jesus. Jesus said to him, look, I, I've prayed for you because Satan has asked to sift you as weak, but I have prayed for you so that your faith may not fail. You may make mistakes, but I pray that your faith may not fail. And listen to this bit. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's so encouraging for me that you can have made the biggest mistake in your life as a follower of Jesus. But because his grace and his mercy has given you a second and third chance, you can use that mistake to turn around and strengthen someone from not making the same mistake. Helping them in their discipleship journey and also saying to others, listen, I've made a big mistake, but Christ gave me another chance. And he also can give you another chance in your life. So also in our biggest defeat, God can also help us in our biggest victories. You know, our victories are not to give us trophies of how holy we are. Our victories is to give other people hope that they can have victory. So listen to this. In Joshua 3, God said to Joshua, I want you to tell the priests to go into the Jordan first. Why was that? So they could say, look how spiritual I am. No, because it was for a purpose. And the grace of God will take us further than other people only for one, two reasons. Number one, to glorify God and to give others hope that they can go where we've been. 
So let's listen to what it says to Joshua. And the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all the Israel all the other Israelites passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I love that. It's like God said, I know I'm giving you faith to go into the Jordan first, but that's not so you can go on God's channel and tell everybody how good you are. That's so you can stop and allow those with not as much faith to walk by you, see your life, look to walk on dry ground and think, do you know what? If you can do it, so can I. And so they passed on ahead of them to help them catch the faith of the leaders that went first. And so that helps them in their discipleship. I want to encourage you that if you're going to be a disciple, you need to be willing to ask others to help you. You know, Jesus' disciples said to him, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? You just don't get, you don't know how, you know, how you get a better prayer is asking somebody who who prays better than you and say, can you tell me how to pray? Can you teach me how to pray? And the disciple says, just as John taught his disciples. So we can see that God uses other people so we can grow to be more efficient in our discipleship making. Listen, these are some really good examples and I've got a few minutes left and I want to land on this. You know, Philip ran up to a chariot to the Ethiopian eunuch in obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He left a revival to go to the desert in obedience to the Holy Spirit, to go up to one man on a chariot. And this is what he says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And then he says this, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I want to know if you're struggling in your walk with God, have you invited somebody who can help you with the next steps that you need to take? This Ethiopian official was not too proud to ask for help to know more about Jesus. And Philip knew what he was doing because he took him to the very scripture that talked about Jesus. In the next few verses, it says, and the Ethiopian stopped at water and says, why cannot I get baptized now? And the, ex, the excitement of this story is that Philip helped him in the next step of obedience into the water to be obedient to being baptized. So we need people to help us to grow into the steps of obedience to be a better disciple. Two more things for an illustration before Linda comes with the next point of who helps us in our journey of discipleship. You know, the Apostle Paul had a one-to-one encounter with God. He could have said, I don't need the church, I don't need other people, because I've had a one-to-one revelation with Jesus, and he's totally transformed my life. So now just me and God will do the ministry all on our own, but in the next verse, you know, Saul was blinded and got taken down straight street into his bed and couldn't do anything else. But God has a method to help his church move into all that God has for us. It's called people. And so here's the story. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me obedience to God. Sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales from self fell from Saul's eyes so he could see again. Listen to the next verse. So he got up and was baptized. Wow. So, so Ananias' obedience was a platform for Saul's obedience into discipleship, all because he went for a house visit and prayed for somebody. And, I, and as I was thinking about and singing for the worship this morning, this scripture came to mind. 
And I felt the Holy Spirit says that as you pray at the end of this message together, God's going to remove some scales from some of your eyes. God's going to do something fresh in your life. The Apostle Paul, even though he had an amazing encounter with God, needed some other people around him to encourage him and pray for him. And the Holy Spirit used that method. And finally, as I come into land, that this is really important principle if we're going to be better disciples in our life. We have to be accountable and we have to be teachable. You know, someone said if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. I want to be in rooms where I learn from other people. No matter how long I'm in ministry, no matter how I'm in life experience, there's always someone that can teach me to be better in some area of my life. And I want to bring you to one little story as I come to close on my part of the sermon. It's where the Apostle Paul confronts one of the pillars of the church, the Apostle Peter. And at this moment, in Peter's discipleship walk, his ministry could have been ruined because he wasn't willing to be teachable from somebody that would have seemed to be of lower spirituality than him. So the Apostle Peter was in a room with Gentiles and when his Jewish friends came from the church, he then began to compromise his convictions and move away from the Gentiles and begin to try and teach them about customs of the Jewish law. And Paul, who was a Pharisee, saw this and said, Peter, you're a hypocrite. You are the pillar of the church and you're going to preach the gospel. That, that salvation comes by grace through Jesus Christ. And now you're trying to teach the church or show the Gentiles that the customs of the Jewish law is so important. And you're compromising your faith because you are feared of what they will say about you because you are committed to the Gentile church. And so Paul said in, in the scripture to help us know, I went to Peter or Caiaphas straight to his face. And I said to him, you're a hypocrite, that your life is not living up to the scriptures, not to my standard, but to the scriptures. And if, if the apostle Peter, this amazing man of God that preached an amazing sermon, was amazingly gifted, if he wasn't willing to receive this rebuke and this, and this kindness of speaking the truth in love, his ministry would have been over. His discipleship journey would have been ruined because the church was at stake. And Paul says, you need to wake up that even Barnabas is being deceived to go your way. That's a massive, important journey. And it was accountability and the teachability that allowed the church to grow and the Apostle Peter's ministry to flourish. I wonder if you have anybody in your life that will not speak behind your back, but will come to you face to face when you are being led astray and saying, I love you too much to help not let you notice that your life is being strayed according to the scriptures. Because there are maybe our biggest discipleship moments, whether we're going to make it for God or backslide to God. So as I come to close on my 15 minutes, every one of you can help somebody grow in discipleship in your worst mistakes or your greatest victories. Every one of you, if you've been married for over well, so many years, you've got a great marriage. You can turn around and help somebody in a struggling marriage. If you're great at business and you, know, you can turn around and help somebody know how to put God first in that business and then be a blessing to everybody else. You know, if you know how to manage your family well and your children, you can turn around and help somebody with their children. That's discipleship. 
You know, if you've gone through a divorce and you think you're the biggest failure, you can turn around and help someone navigate through a divorce. If you have loss and you can turn around and help somebody who's going through a loss. And, you know, just to mention that Julia is writing a book on loss and that tool is going to be a, a tool to help people disciple to get over the heartache of loss. All these things that God does through our lives is to help other people to be disciples. Every single one of you can make a difference. And my final scripture is 2 Corinthians, and it says this, verse 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, listen, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we received ourselves from God. The first thing that God gives us to help grow disciples is that God works through you to pass it on to other people. We need people to help us make disciples. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jason. We definitely need people to carry out the Great Commission. You know, we're talking about the Great Commission, which is therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is a very tall order. And as we've heard last week and we've heard just now, that for enable us to make disciples, we need people in our lives. But I'm going to talk about someone else that we so much need in our lives to do anything for the things of God, even just to walk this life as Christians. Let me take you back to this scripture. And in this scene, just imagine you are the disciples. You are there at the first century. You are there listening to Jesus as he's declaring these words to you. You've been following this guy for over three years. You've been believing in him for three years. You have been doing the works. You have been examining what he does. You've left your homes, your families, your jobs and your businesses and you've actually seen Jesus do miracles. You were there, you were present and you knew who he was. You saw his wonders, you saw his healings and you, you bought in to the truth that this might be the Messiah God. And you've given it your all for all these three years. And then what happens? The cross happens and Jesus is crucified. You're devastated. You're tested to the very core. How many times does God test our faith? Things in this life, things in this world happen to us, and we are tested to the core. These disciples must have been grieving. They were confused, and they were scattered. Maybe they even asked themselves this question, did we get that right? Were we following the right guy? Was Jesus really the Messiah? And then after a period of time, thank goodness it wasn't too long, Jesus was alive. He was resurrected. He conquered death. And that proved that he was who he said he was. He was almighty God. He is almighty God. He is the promised Messiah. They were following the right guy. They bought into the right thing. There was such a relief. He's back. Have you ever been at that place in your life where you think you've lost Jesus for a moment? You've lost Jesus for a season and then you, you, you realize he's back. Well, actually, you were the one that moved away because he promises in this verse, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so they're so excited. There's a sense of relief. Whew, Jesus is back. We can get back on with doing what we were doing, following him and, and just seeing what he does and just supporting him and, and, and walking his way. And Jesus turns it around and he says to them in this scripture, I command you. 
You go and teach them. You go and make disciples. And I can just imagine the disciples at that moment, they've only just got Jesus back and now he's given them this, this, this awesome commission that just seems too hard and I would be there and I'd be saying, Jesus, please don't go again. We've only just got you back. Don't leave us. We can't do this without you. And that is just so true. Just in our own walk with God, in our own lives and what we face every day. Even in the mundane, we can't do this life without you, Jesus. I wonder if the disciples remembered back to the Last Supper when Jesus had said this to them, I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask where, where you're going. You're filled with grief because you know I'm going. But very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I am going. Unless I go away, the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, The advocate won't come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. Jesus is actually saying to you and me and the disciples in that day, it is better to have Jesus visibly absent and have the Holy Spirit invisibly present. Do you get that? It is better that we have the Holy Spirit within us that we can't see than a physical earthly Jesus walking by our side. Jesus says this. Check your Bible. I always used to think how awesome, how wonderful it would have been to be living when Jesus walked on this earth. To be one of those disciples, to follow him, to to actually smell and, and taste and enjoy the moment that Jesus walked on this earth. But here, Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's actually better now if you have the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a a ghost. It's not an apparition. It's not even a fire or a dove. They're just symbolic things. It's not even an experience or an emotion. The Holy Spirit is a living, being, invisible person. He sees, he hears, he thinks, he feels He is the third person of the Trinity. It doesn't mean he's less or he's lower down in rank, but it means that he's the third person of God that has been revealed to us in Scripture. You know, in the Old Testament, we primarily see God as God the Father. In the Gospels, we primarily see God as the Son. And in the Acts and in the Epistles and in our time today, we see the Holy Spirit as being God. It is God revealed. The Father the Son, the Holy Spirit, all fully, equally God. So when Jesus says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, Jesus is actually saying, I'm going to ask the Father to send you someone exactly like me because the Holy Spirit is just as much as God as Jesus the Son just as much God as God the Father. Jesus knows that his time on this earth is done 
And he's got to get his disciples ready for a transition. Instead of watching Jesus move, instead of watching Jesus do all the miracles, instead of watching Jesus do the supernatural and walk in power, he needs us to move and walk in power. He needs us to operate in miracles. He needs us to operate in the supernatural. And the only way that we can do that is with Jesus inside us, the Holy Spirit within us. Very truly I say to you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This was a transition season. We'd had the Old Testament season. We'd had the gospel season and now we are still living in the season of Acts. And maybe for you today, maybe you are in a transition season. Maybe it's a new season for you. Maybe it's time for you to move and arise. You see, after Jesus had died, he resurrected. And before he ascended to heaven, he appeared many times, 10 times to different people. He appeared to Mary and then he was gone. He appeared to the woman at the tomb and then he was gone. He appeared to the men on the Emmaus road and then he was gone. He appeared to the disciples and then he was gone. He appeared to Doubting Thomas and then he was gone. And to James and to the 5,000 and to the other occasions. But Jesus appeared briefly because he was trying to tell them something. He was coming and going to prove that, yes, he was alive. He was coming and going because he he was trying to say, the grave cannot hold me, and I live, and that I am God, and I am the promise. But he was also trying to teach us that even when we don't see him, even when we don't see that he's with us, that he is always with us in the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is why he can say, surely I am with you always. And today that promise still holds for us as believers. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in me. And when we believe, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he forgives us of our sins and he deposits within us the Holy Spirit. It says in 2 Corinthians, he set his seal of ownership upon us and he put his spirit in our heart as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It is this Holy Spirit that enables us to do the things that God calls us to do. The Holy Spirit becomes our helper, our comforter, our counsellor, our advocate and he becomes our guide. He heals, he restores, he strengthens, he gives us wisdom, he gives us direction and he gives us understanding because the Holy Spirit is Jesus in me. Anne Graham Lotz, she said this of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the fire of God that ignites us. He is the breath that stirs us. He is the wind that shakes us. He is the whisper that calms us. He is the life that quickens us. He is the dew that refreshes us. He is the lamp that guides us. The Holy Spirit is the voice that convicts us. He is the force that empowers us. He is the heart that comforts us. He is the strength that carries us. He is the arms that cradle us. He is the hands that lift us. He is the oil that heals and gladdens our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the anointing that gifts us and teaches us and the Holy Spirit is the seal that validates us. Jesus has not left us alone to achieve the great commission, the command that he gave us to do of making disciples. 
two things as we pray today. First is the personal obedience from last week. Secondly is the people of God, the church, to help us and to take the next step of obedience. But thirdly is the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the story of Paul, when Ananias went, Paul was saved. He was saved on the road to Damascus, but he got stuck and he needed someone to pray. And maybe you're in that where you are right now. If you don't know Jesus, we can pray for you right now and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and you can have an encounter like Paul did on the road to Damascus and we're going to pray for that. But because we, you know, and also on camera, we're going to pray in your homes. God is not restricted to a building. But you know, maybe you're in your walk with God right now and you're stuck and maybe you can't see the way ahead. Let me tell you something. As we pray together, we believe today that the Holy Spirit, well, something, something's going to fall from your eyes. It says in the scriptures, something fell. Now that something may be different for everyone in this room, but something is going to move. Something is going to shift in your life today. Something's going to be moved out the way. We'll, so we'll help you take the next step of what God wants you to do in your future. And so we're going to pray for that. So why don't you, if you want that, just lift your hands to the Lord. And we're going to just pray over you. And then the worship team is going to finish the seal with a song over your life. Mm. Father, we acknowledge, we thank you for the body of Christ who you've you've sort of commissioned to help one another grow. But Lord, we know without the Holy Spirit, we cannot make no, we can't make anything. Never mind disciples. Mm. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We thank you for being so committed to us. That you promise that you'll be with us forever. Never leave us and nor forsake us. But Lord, there may be some people in this room and maybe on camera that loves you and have an encounter with you and remember the past of you. But Lord, somehow they're stuck today. Well, it's good news because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit of God is here. Nothing is impossible with with him. So as we just join our faith together and we stretch our hands over you and the camera, we believe by faith the Holy Spirit's going to make some shifts today in your life. You know, you might be in this room right now or maybe watching on the camera and you can't honestly say that you received the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has not been evident in your life. Maybe you could go even further and say, actually, I'm not even sure that I've got a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but maybe Jesus is a bit silent in your life right now. But wherever you are, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray for you. And you just agree with me in this prayer. In fact, you can repeat these words. Whether you consider yourself a Christian or not a Christian, but you just, you want more of God. You want more of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. We thank you that you died for us. We're thankful, Lord, that you rose again. And that in rising again, you showed us clearly that you have victory. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come to you, as we ask you to forgive us of our sins, and if that's you, just say that quietly in your heart to God. Ask him right now. Say, forgive me of my sins, even sins I don't know about. Whatever it is that is stopping me coming into relationship with you, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I ask you, Lord, to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, to become real in my life again, that I would sense your presence, that I would sense your power, that I would hear your voice speaking to me. Lord, I ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And Lord, as we come right now, Lord, for those that know you, and there is something right now that's stopping their next season, Lord, they need a breakthrough. They need some things to shift in their lives. They need, they need to see a fresh tomorrow. Father, whatever that something that needs to fall from their lives, Lord, as we pray, we, Lord, we're believing for a miracle right across the cameras and those in this room. Lord, if it's healing for the body, Father, we, we pray that that restriction will, will be healed, that they will heal today. Father, God, if it's wisdom, Lord, if it's circumstances, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that's going to take your people to the next level, we ask you to move as we just believe in faith today yeah. in Jesus' name. So, Father, Lord, we just take a step of faith and we say, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lay hands by faith, Lord, over every person that needs a touch of God today. And we believe, Lord, that things, that something will fall in their lives right now and make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, let faith arise that give yes, them strength yes, to make this next step of obedience yes, in their future. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, Amen. come on, let's give God praise today. Thanks, guys.